Warning, this podcast is rated effed up for profanity, sexual violence, and potentially disturbing material. If I were you, I'd turn back now. Recording in progress. Did you hear that? Yeah. It says that I can leave the meeting again. Don't leave the meeting. <laughs> I said got it. Kev, you're, you're back. You got to say the thing. Hello? Hello? Yeah, yeah no. You got to do the intro. Is the thing titties? No. no. Why not? <laughs> so the answer was always titties. The answer is always 42, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> Second of all, I had to do the intro without you last time. It's your turn. Shit, it's been so long. I don't remember what I used to say. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Um, it's all right. I'll take care. Come on, Kev. Hi. Hi, my name's Brandy. I'm in charge. Fuck these two. Oh, yeah. We didn't intro after six months last episode either. I guess we're doing it now. We're doing it now. I am recording, sir. We're doing the damn thing. Can we just leave this all in? Yeah. Oh, we're totally leaving this in. We're doing this live. <laughs> Oh, fucking great. I'm eating pineapple. Yes, you are. Actually, I was wondering why you didn't eat last episode, Brandy. I'm like, it's not a Brandy episode if she's not chewing on something. I have a happy meal on the way. Don't worry. I'm smoking. Brandy's eating. Instead of trying to control this runaway train. This is so on brand for us. I can't even begin to be. Oh, shit. We're oh, trash. Welcome, Welcome, everybody, to the new and not improved Macabre Academy, coming to you from beautiful, improved. beautiful and scenic Western Pennsylvania on a crisp fall evening. Actually, it's not that crisp. It's very, it's very nice out here. But uh, yeah, we took off about uh, six months because we had a bunch of shit going on. And now here we are back and we are ready to rock and roll. I am Kevin, your resident host who knows nothing about the topics that we are going to cover, and I don't review my notes. So if uh, we kind of stumble through this one, well, you can listen back to some of the old episodes and realize that this is exactly the same shit we've always pulled. So if you're coming here- You always pulled. You too. The two of you. You. Both of you. If you're here for a professional podcast- Listen- um, I'm trash. I never claimed not to be trash. I don't know what you're talking about. So seeing how it has been six months, we may have a new listener or two. Let us go through our bios. I am Kevin. I am here. <laughs> I'm alive. I can read. So um, <sighs> maybe. We love Kevin because he is not into all the weird spoopy shit. Than me and Brandy is. So we actually have a voice of reason in all of our madness, you know? Like, and I feel like, like that makes us. The reason isn't just ghosts? Huh? The reason isn't just ghosts? Well, it's nice having an outsider perspective on our insane shit. So, for the people who are only listening to this, because I understand this is now going to be a visual medium, also, God bless any of you who are watching this, because I am hideous. Um, Same. So, uh, <laughs> The next voice you're going to hear should probably be Steph. So, Steph, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're into? So, I am Steph, aka the Nerdy Witch. Yeah, I I run this shit. I don't I don't know why I do at this point. I am a Hecatean slash Norse pagan. Yeah, I've converted to Norse paganism on this this journey of mine, but I am 
also holding a stupid college degree, and this is what I've decided to use it in. Uh, I have two majors, one in art history and the other in the study of world religions. And uh, that apparently makes me an authority on absolutely nothing. You actually, uh, I think you forgot a qualification there. What? Aren't you a witch? Yeah, yeah. That's part of the pay. I'm sorry. I, I'm still trying to learn how to, the kids label this shit. The kids call it a witch. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. We'll go with that. Um, yeah. And now, uh, Brandy, if you would like to introduce yourself to the listener. Hi, I'm Brandy. I'm absolute trash. I have no college degree. I have no knowledge on anything. I'm just a trash human. That's it. Yeah, we found, yeah, we figured that out on the Nirvana episode and the Ruth Bader Ginsburg episode. Listen. I'm also a child who knows nothing. Well, why don't we take... I'm um, learning. Right. So maybe we need some current events with Kev, because we are well overdue for current events with Kevin. Yeah, Kev, what's going on in the world? Uh, The world is on... Other than Texas. The world is on fire. Texas is a dump. And um, get your goddamn vaccine if you haven't fucking gotten it yet. So, like, wait, can we talk about that for a second? We can tell you about anything you want, Brandy. I am I am your cultural okay. searcher. Okay, so about. first, fuck Texas. Can we just exile them? Second, so, like, listen. I am all for the vaccine. I got the shitty version of it. Let's all just put that out there. Okay? I got the Johnson & Johnson shitty version. And I... Well, you can go get the other one. I don't know if I trust mixing things. Because I've had so many bad reactions and I'm still having negative reactions that, like, I don't know. Like, I'm all for it. My mom got it. She's doing great. My dad got it. They're doing great. They had five. I'm fine. I I haven't even gotten a sniffle. Oh, my God, no. I wake up in the morning with bruises all over my body. All over. You may want to stop podcasting and consult a healthcare professional. I'm just dying. It's fine. Yeah. But I talked to my doctor and she was like, yeah, no, like, we're going to have to, like, monitor it for, like, blood clots and shit. So, like, I'm all for it. But I also understand going through the things that I've gone through after getting it, why some people are more hesitant. But Does I that make know. sense? Yeah, I'm with you. What? Okay. What I also just realized is we need to get Brandy a stand for her fucking phone if this is going to be on YouTube. No, that's Why? how Brandy's charm is just, she's a chaotic mess. We just we Oh, let because it, go. it keeps moving? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm not sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> that, that's part <laughs> of the charm. If I have a stand, I'm just going to move it. Yeah, I'm going to weigh in on the, the, the shot for like half a second, which okay. I, I have relatively remained silent about yes. for ever. So here's here's what got me, Okay. Like your body, your choice. Okay. You're, you're an idiot if you don't get it, but okay. Your body, your mm-hmm. choice. What I don't understand is somebody posted a fucking meme on my Facebook feed and I had to do everything I could. I, I made the mistake of smoking the marijuana and getting high and replying to said post. <laughs> so hang in there with me. But she's like, what kind of world do we live in where you cannot gain access to a grocery store without a vaccination card. And I was like, dude, you can just grab a mask. They have extra ones in the front of the store. Yeah. <laughs> like if you put the mask on, if you're not going to get the shot, it's okay. You can buy groceries. Like I just lost my shit. I'm like, okay, if you're not going to get it, put, put the mask on your face. Just do it. Yeah. That, 
okay, if you're dumb and you don't want the shot, okay, but put the mask yeah. on your face. Don't say you can't go places. Just put the mask on. Right. Yeah, no. Like, I have Should I do okay, the whole so episode on a mask a just to prove you can do, do it? it? Like, it's not that hard. Um. So, like, I lied in my intro. I have a little bit of a degree, but I didn't finish. So, I went to nursing school. So, like, I understand the science. I understand the medicine side of it. But, like... Mm. I can't sit here and be like, yeah, everyone needs to get it because it, it's your choice at the end of the day. Like it okay. is your, cho- uh, do you know what I mean? Let, let me, let me, let me weigh in on this. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, so I am not a person u- with a uterus. I fully support whatever form of birth control a person with a uterus decides to use. Mm-hmm. Be that IUD, the pill shots, abortion whatever the fuck you want to do i don't have a say in this because it doesn't affect my body right Right. and neither does pregnancy affect anybody's body other than the person who is pregnant right however wow that was loud i heard myself echo (laughs) (laughs) however the vaccine is completely different because it doesn't just impact you Right. You not getting the vaccine impacts fucking everybody else you come in contact with. Yes. So this is not a personal choice. This is a public health choice. If you are physically able to get the fucking vaccine, it is your goddamn duty as a citizen of this fucking world to get the fucking vaccine. Fair. Fair. I mean, like, okay, so when you go to college, right, you have to get a meningitis shot. Right. You have to going through public school systems. You have a child. You have to get a pox. You know, you have to get all the the shot, the shots, Mm -hmm. like all of them. So like, I, I, I I agree in that sense because I agree 100% go through public things. You are required to get shots to be in public. Yes. And it's just, I think, we have a lot of issues in this country, but like, so listen back to Texas. So like half of my reason, I fucking hate Texas so much. So half of my reason, and this is going to sound bad. And this is, I'm a bad person. Okay. I know this. I'm going to hell. I'm driving the bus. Hop the fuck on. I got the shot. And then I heard, Oh, well it can make you infertile. Okay, great. I want a hysterectomy anyway. I have no rights to my own body because I'm a young female without a husband and have no children. So I was like, oh, kill two birds with one stone, right? Maybe I'll get the shot. Maybe I'm the lucky bitch that gets infertile. Is that wrong? No. But guess what? It didn't work. <laughs> so here I am. I'm so sorry. And I, I, I just, yeah, I just can't. I just, I'm over it. I hate the world. That's all. That's all. What's your case? Yeah, Yims are gonna have to forgive me, but I am chomping at the bit to get to I this know. case. I'm foaming. I'm foaming. I, I, I want to do the case. Can we do the okay? Case? Let's go. Go because we're gonna go. push it as we go anyway. You know that. Go. Uh, go. Well, I can't. Kev, Kev kicks us off. I wrote this. Up. I wrote this for Kev to start. Maybe if Kev read his no. Listen, we just spent the last however fucking long rambling aimlessly through the twists and turns of our deluded minds. I have my notes in front of me. I'm it's ready to go. It's a scary spot in my mind. I'm sorry, guys. You shouldn't have to deal with that. <laughs> and I clicked on both attachments and both emails that I got from Steph, and they're the same goddamn notes. 
Yeah, we only got part one. We didn't get part two. Okay, well, let's get through part one and we'll debate whether we record part two today as well. Because there's 11 pages of notes, guys. That means over an hour. Just okay, so you let's know. fucking go. Yeah, let's I'll just do keep this. keep quiet as much as I can. So what case are we doing today here, Steph? All right, so we are tackling the infamous Amityville Massacre. And I have broken this into two parts. So this one, part one, massacre. Part two, haunting. Okay, so this one is the true crime case. Part two, we will tackle the haunting of Amityville. The spooky. Yeah, but we're going to start with part one because this is how the story unfolds. Mm -hmm. Murder. Mayhem. Murder. Yeah, murder. So, Kevin, I thought we should frame up Amityville, New York which is an hour north of New York City. So I, I have some lovely talking points for you about the lovely place of Amityville. And if you would shut up, I could get into the notes. That's fucking rude. It's not rude. Well, true. It's appropriate. It's very appropriate. If it's true, it's not rude. Yes, it is. Oh, God, so, buckle up. It's been a long one. As Steph said, we're about an hour north of the city of New York. Huntington was first, uh, was there? Huntington settlers first visited Amityville area in 1653 due to its location as a source of salt hay used for animal fodder. Chief, really long name that I'm not even going to try to pronounce. Steph, what the fuck is his name? Why should. Why. why? It looks like what you doing to me. Like, that's what it looks like. What you doing? Yeah, we'll go with that. Chief, what you doing? Uh, Granted the first deed to the land in Amityville in 1658. The original area, the original, I'm sorry. Let me try that all over again. The area was originally called Huntington, West Neck South. That's a long fucking name. That's a weird fucking name. and it is on the Great South Bay and Suffolk County, New York border. So, you know, kind of borders the two. And in the southwest corner of what was once called Huntington South, the town today is known by the name of Babylon. According to village lore, the name was changed in 1846 when residents were working to establish its new post office. The meeting turned into Bedlam. And one participant was to exclaim, what this meeting needs is some amity. 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 There we go. Some of the times when I was writing notes, I wanted to spell amity and not amity, though. I I want to put an N in there so bad. I was like, if it's amity, I believe you forgot a letter. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Another version says that the name was suggested by mill owner Samuel of Ireland to name the town for his boat, the Amity. The place name is, strictly speaking, an identical name, making it an amicable agreement on the choice of the name. The village was formally incorporated on March 3rd, 1894. In its infancy, the Friendly Bay Village 
as, as it has come to be known, was primarily a farming community that had strong ties to fishing and boating industry. Salt hay was an important agricultural product that was grown to feed livestock. I have no idea what salt hay is. Do you have, anybody know what salt hay is? No. You know what? I pulled this right off of the Amityville Historical Society, so I never looked up salt hay. Okay. Brandy, look up salt hay. Tell us what the fuck it is. Okay. I don't like that you're bossing me around. Fuck you. Listen, I come in, I run shit. It's what I do. Mm. But the, I'm a guy. This is what I do. I come Stop in, I take- men. Are you ready? It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Very strong patriarchal vibes going out here. Okay, listen to me, you dummy. It doesn't make any sense. It's the salt meadow cord grass, also known as salt hay. It's a species of cord grass native to the Atlantic coast of the Americas from Newfoundland New south along the eastern United States to the Caribbean and northwest Mexico. It's just like grass. That grows in a salty area. Yeah, it's just uh, like grass. It's not hay hay. It's grass. That makes sense. Hey, hey. You knew what I meant. I know, but it was fun to say. <laughs> the farms and marine industries slowly gave way to the needs of summer visitors in search of the comforts afforded by the cool breezes and beaches of the Great South Bay. Hotels, long since gone, supplemented the farms and marine industries that were located along the waterfront. Hordes of summer visit- visitors uh, discovered early Amnaville included a stage, include stage and theater personalities, prominent members of society, including business businessmen, artists, writers, and the so-called rich and famous uh, Manhattanites. We got a couple of fun facts here. Annie Oakley was said to be a frequent guest of the vaudevillian Fred Fred Stone. I almost said Fred Flintstone. Will Rogers had a home on Clocks Boulevard. Gangster Al Capone uh, also had a house in the community. Goddard, the great flight engineer, shot off his first rocket there. It is home to about 9,400 residences and three and a half square miles. It has five churches, one synagogue, three elementary schools, one middle school, one high school, several parks, and the Lauder Museum. It also has a partridge and a pear tree. So what put this place on the map? Somebody by the name of Ronald Defoe Jr. Oh. Right, that. Yeah, Defoe. This this is this is the guy. Okay. We gotta we gotta pick him apart. He's the whole reason we have two podcasts, movies, documentaries, books, everything. Okay. This is this is the guy right here. Ronald Defoe Defoe Jr. Okay. I'm going to kick this off with a quote from one of the more famous TV documentaries. And he says, I guess the Amityville horror really was supposed to be me. I am the one that got convicted of killing my family. I'm the one that says, they say, uh, Billy is supposed to be possessed by the devil. Now, in this documentary, he called himself Billy. I have no idea why, because there's no other way to make any sense. Yeah, none. Because his name is Ronald DeFeo Jr. And he went by Butch on the wreck. Okay. Also Ronnie. So we're going to see lots of variation of Ron. Okay. Coming up. Okay. He was born September 26, 1951 in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. And he was the eldest of five children. 
And his dad was Ronald Sr. And he was a successful car salesman. And his wife was Louise Defoe. Now, they had five children altogether, the Defoe's. Uh, is three it Defoe sons. or is it Defeo? Defeo. Okay. I cannot. Well, how do I fuck up a famous last name? We are, we are showing I don't know. example That's of professionalism. Confused. Yeah, it's DeFeo. I'm, okay. I'm retarded. Because we are trash. Right. Okay. We so there's trash. there's that three sons, two that daughters. Just trash. Their Twitter handle at we are trash. <laughs> <laughs> at trash. Okay. So the dad, Ronald Sr., okay, he worked at his father-in-law's Brooklyn Buick dealership. And this provided his family with a comfortable upper middle class lifestyle. And by all reports, they were an idyllic suburban Italian Catholic family. All right. They're living the dream. So their home, which is the one in question, uh, the Amityville Horror House, was located at 112 Ocean Avenue. And it was purchased in the summer of 1965. And they're coming from a really small bedroom, like few bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. So this this house was the hallmark of their newfound success. It was a three-story A-frame house with lots of trees, a swimming pool, boathouse, and two da- two car detached garage. Okay, that's apparently very ideal. And that would capture America's imagination. What's interesting is the house that was originally built on the property in 1782 had been relocated to an adjacent lot because it wasn't large enough for the new owners. So you have John Moynihan and his family that built that A-frame house that we all know with the windows, okay? And that house- The creepy eyeball windows. Yeah, yeah. That was built in 1924 and still stands today. Now, Ron Sr. served as a domineering authoritative man, okay? And he liked to pick some fights with his wife and his children. He had these really lofty, ambitious standards, especially for his eldest son. And he kind of was borderline abusive to his family. And what he lacked in affection, he more than compensated by spending money. That was what they did. So Butch is coming out of this this, this grumpy ass home. And school also fueled some issues for him because he was the brooding butch, as I like to deem him. And he was being bullied for being a fat kid. Okay. Now, okay, let's let's go. Let's let's touch on bullying for a moment, shall we? Hey, fat kids cuddle better. I I love me some man with some meat. Okay. That just that's my preference. I there's a there's a culture of anti-bullying now, which I get. I get. Okay. But, you know, being bullied builds some character, right? It builds some strength. You got to overcome some adversity. Okay. A little bit. It also, it also builds some mental so, issues, though. <laughs> for some. So I think that whole issue with bullying right now is you can't get away from it. So, like, when I was in school, in like elementary school and like started junior high, if you were bullied at school, when you went home, you could get away from it. Now it's Facebook, it's Instagram, it's Twitter, it's everything. These kids can't get away from their bullies. It's constant. So I think that's why there's such a push right now. 
to stop it. Well, at the same time, my my goddaughter Riley, she was being bullied on social media platforms. She had screenshots, text messages, everything. And the school said they couldn't do anything because it wasn't on school grounds. Don't pull that shit. Yeah, I'm sorry. But like, I think that's why, like, people are more like, oh, well, the kids don't get a break from it. And, like, no, they don't. But, like, as an adult... I'm still bullied as an adult. It. My enti- my family I mean. is spreading rumors that I'm starting a cult, okay? And then I'm a devil worshiper. Who? Yeah. Yeah, that's the current one I found you're, out. You're start a cult. You can't take six months off. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. I'm just saying, my, I mean, the bullying never ends. You got to get a certain level of tough skin. You don't just go and slaughter a bunch of people. That's, no. I mean, I could. You're right. I mean, I'm still young. I'm 34. I got time to commit a mass murder, right? Like, yeah, we got time. Yeah. It's fine. You better get on it, though. Once you get like 37, all that motivation just goes right out the window. <laughs> Okay, well, Damn. well, Butch decides not to take the high road after being bullied. And he comes home and he acts out physically. Okay. And he not only went after his dad, but he went after his school buddies. So he just was just a mess. Um, yeah. So they take him to therapy, as one does, to get their kid help. And he hated going. And continually denied that he needed psychiatric help. So you can lead the horse to water, as they say, but you can't make a drink. Okay. Um, So they stop taking him to the doctor in their place. Okay. They used incentives of cash and presents. They buy their son a $14,000 speed boat to help with his troubles. That's going to solve that right there. I mean, okay. Big shocker, though. It didn't work. I'll take the money. Didn't work. They're just giving it out. I mean, I was reading I was reading through stuff, and they, they said it was nothing for Ron Sr. just to hand over thousands of dollars of cash to his kids. You know what that gave? You know what that gave Butch? You know what that did for him? He decides nothing. that he is uh, going to start dipping into the speed the LSD and the heroin when he, you know, oh, good. yeah. by the time he was 17, he gets expelled from school for violence. And then he falls really hard into the ball, the bar scene in long Island South shore. Okay. So money, not fixing the problem, perpetuating. And so to fix it, yeah. they decide to spoil him some more. So when he turns 18, Okay, Ronnie Jr. received a prized position at the car dealership with little to no expectation. So he earned weekly stipends, stipends from his father. Stipend. That's it. Regardless of job attendance or performance. They could come and go whenever he please and he still got cash in his pocket. That's not how that works. Yeah, yeah. And he funneled that salary into a new car. Um, as well as guns, alcohol, and more drugs. I need a rich daddy. No. Yes. No. Yes. Brady's on that sugar baby. Hundred percent. Listen, Jake's down for me to sell my feet picks to buy a house, so there's no shame. I mean, you do have some unique piggies. 
Brandy's OnlyFans link in the description. I would do it. <laughs> no shame at all. Oh my goodness. Listen, if someone paid me for my feet pics, I'd fucking be. You know what I mean, like it's just my feet. Someone will buy them. It's fucking gross. That's it's all. the foot thing. I mean, I love me some tentacles. It's, I love my tentacles. Listen, it's how I'm gonna buy a house, so it's fine. Okay. If you want to contribute to my house fund. <laughs> Link in the description. Apparently not OnlyFans though. They're 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 shysting their um they're shysting the creators that built their entire platform and just doing away with the porn. Bye. No, they, got they canceled that. that. They yeah, they went back oh, on it. They're like, oh, that's dumb. Good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're like, oh shit, we're gonna lose our entire platform. Um, I think we need to rethink this. So the cycle of spending and drugs and violence just kind of continues and Butch gets yeah. bolder and more entitled. So I have some fun little snippets of examples. So he managed to threaten a friend with a rifle during a hunting trip and then act like nothing happened, uh, which is example yeah. one. Example two, this is my favorite. You ready? This is so good. Okay. So Ronnie's sister, Dawn, and uh, his dad have a particularly violent argument. So Ron decides he's going to step in and settle said fight. Now, this fucker pulled the trigger at point blank range on a rifle on his dad. And the gun malfunctioned. I mean, he fully pulled back this trigger aiming for his dad. Boom, gun jams. No, nothing goes off. Now, Ron Sr. thinks that this is some fucking miracle of God. Okay. So he responds by like hardcore decorating his house in and out with uh, Catholic religious symbols, you know, like Virgin Mary. Oh, fuck that. Crucifixes. Okay. And it is said that uh, he must have felt the presence of evil because he wound up visiting St. Joseph's Shrine to bring back a priest to say prayers of exorcism on his home. Now, there is some debate on this particular snippet about the shrine because the records from St. Joseph's don't really line up for that. They didn't keep a record if that happened. But local witnesses did question him about his new lawn ornaments, okay, and, uh, you know, Mary and such. And he claimed to have a devil on his back. Now, we can interpret this in two ways. We know a haunting is coming. So he could have thought that the devil was really in his house or he could have been referring explicitly to his son being the devil at this point. But either way, the fear, the fear was real. Okay. Shit's going down. He, uh, Ronnie attempted several times after this point to move from the family home because I guess he didn't want to kill his dad or something. But uh, Mr. DeFeo would always go hunt him down and bring him back. Okay. Okay. So here's uh, here's where we start to see Ronnie's colors come through. Okay, in, in 1974, um, he is wrestling with his meager salary at the car dealership, and he employs a plan for embezzling money from the car dealership. And I putting this together, I feel like he was making one desperate big push to finally run away from home for good. So if you got enough money, you could just mm-hmm. dip. 
So in late October, the car dealership entrusted him with the responsibility of depositing uh, more than 20 grand into the bank. Now, Ron planned a mock robbery with his friend, and they agreed to split this down the middle. Now, the plan went off without a hitch. I don't have the full details of the plan until the police came to the car dealership to question Ronnie Jr. Now, as one does, uh, instead of acting calmly when the officers go to question him, he does the dumb thing and explodes into a rage, you know, because extreme guilt does not come from the anger. Like, it, it makes you look more guilty Instead of just saying, I don't know mm-hmm. what happened to the money. I don't know. No, he gets pissed. Okay. And that yeah. makes the police more suspicious of him, especially that he's lying. So they ask him to come into the station to check out mugshots of possible suspects trying to just like, okay, okay, you didn't do it. All right. So help us figure out who did. Right. And he refused mm-hmm. to comply. Even his dad was like, I'm pretty sure Ronnie could have done this. When. They start the, like the third round of questioning on this case. Ron threatens to kill his dad again. So we have several examples of Ronnie wanting to off his dad. He tried mm-hmm. already. So there's some minor discrepancies about what happens next, but I think I've put together a pretty decent timeline. So Kev, you wanna you wanna tell us what happened next? I will after this. Brief beverage break. So before we get into the next part of the notes, I'm going to sidebar this conversation just a little bit. This also goes back to the episode that you just recorded that I missed because I was busy having dinner with my parents. Um, by the way, I would have rather been podcasting with you guys, <laughs> just saying. So, I don't know what you talked about in the last episode. I'll eventually hear it when it gets posted. But I am going to take this time to give everybody a wonderful PSA entitled, Don't Fucking Talk to the Police. The police are not your friends. The police do not give a shit about you. The police don't actually give a shit about what happened. They're just trying to close a case. So, unless you have a lawyer present, shut the fuck up. Thank you for attending my PSA. We will now get back into the episode. November 13th, 1974. In the early morning hours, an intruder entered the home with a 35 caliber Marlin rifle. And room by room, shot all of the members of the family in their beds. And they lived on three separate floors. And this took place in approximately 15 minutes. The only member to survive was Ronald Jr. He reported for work at the dealership at 6 in the morning. He called home to see why his father had not shown up for work. He waited till around noon and then decided to go fuck off with his friends. Throughout the day, he made several attempts to reach his family, but with no success. Around 6.30, on November 13, 1974, the 23-year-old Ronnie entered Henry's Bar in Amityville, Long Island, New York, and declared, you have got to help me. 
I think my mother and father are shocked. He's not known for his grammar, by the way. That's what we know. Ronnie and a small group of people went into his home, which was located near the bar, which is handy, and found that Ronnie's parents were dead inside the house. His buddy Joe, guess what? Yeah, we'll go with that. Made an emergency call to the Suffolk County Police Department at 6.35 p.m. The victims were identified as Ronald J. DeFeo, 43, his wife, Louise, 42. And can I just say for the record how happy I am to see there's not a giant age gap here. The two sons, John, who was nine, and Mark, who was 12, two daughters, Allison, 13, and Dawn, 18. Uh, the police said that all the victims were in their nightclubs. Police Sergeant William Smith said that the three victims were shot in the back, two in the head, and one in the neck. There was no sign of a struggle or a robbery. You would think if he was going to do this, you'd at least rough the place up a little. Bit. Yeah. You know, take a tea set or something, you know. I also forgot to mention that all of the victims were found on their bellies. Like they were all sleeping on their belly, every single one. Who sleeps like that? That's what I'm saying. The entire family did. Well, that wasn't in the notes. I forgot. That's why I'm adding it now. She just wanted to sound super smart and added it. She really did. She just wanted to slide. She was like, ha, I'm smart. I spent hours on this. Days. I love you. Okay. So now we're on to the 14th of November, 1974. The neighbors were notified by the police of the murders. There was, as one would expect, an enormous amount of shock. Witnesses said they saw one of the children's bodies fall out of the tarp on the way out of the family home, which really is just bad planning by whoever was moving that body. I mean, seriously, what do you fucking people do? There's a quote from the neighbor. Mm -hmm. This is a quote from the neighbor. It was very eerie very quiet and just a chilling moment the kind you never forget it is a picture you keep in your head always now we've now we're on to detective george harrison lot of the of the music group and jeffrey Gozola. like that pronunciation we're gonna go with that that name sounds like a really bad knockoff like pharmaceutical narcotic yes ask your doctor about gazola <laughs> Side effects may include diarrhea, bad dreams, and mild vomiting. Side effects may include death. Do not take if the patient is mortal or may become mortal. The pair. So, yes. Um, commandeered the next door neighbor's home as a headquarters for the investigation. Ronald was brought there for initial questioning. There is a bug flying around my screen that is annoying the shit out of me. There is a lot of great um, interview footage of said neighbor. His last name is Ireland, um, describing the police coming into his home at, at the murders and just like taking over and setting up shop. Like it, it was great listening to him go on about that. I was like, what? That's unorthodox. That's not normal. So in this initial questioning, the police are trying to figure out who junior thought would murder would be capable of this heinous act 
he begins to explain that he believes that a mafia hitman named Louis Fellini. Yeah, we'll go with that. May have been responsible. There was an old grudge between Lewis and the family over some work that was done at the dealership. Halfway through, his grandfather basically shows up. Mm-hmm. Grandfather, thank you, uh, shows up and basically tells him to confess immediately to spare the family name. At this point, everyone basically decided that Ronnie did it. Of course, he was the prime suspect, especially after his sordid past. Okay. Now, here's where... Okay. Stuff gets interesting. Okay. Buckle up. This is not an open and shut case, as it seems. Okay. Because I love me a good conspiracy theory. Okay. Now, to this... Oh, did I tell you my new conspiracy theories? COVID is actually a plot by big office furniture and big pet to keep us home and adopt pets, buy food and supplies, and home office furniture. Also, Utah is not a real place. I'll give you Utah. It's fucking, there's nothing there. No one cares about Utah. You've never been to Utah. You've never met anybody no. from Utah. You've never seen Utah. I've, on the I've road. been to Utah. Fucking Utah. Does I know exist. a girl from Utah. And the case I just you think you no, know a girl. No, the case Utah. I just covered was also in Utah. So Utah's real. Can we just make this about Texas? No, because Texas, Texas is actually a place. Utah doesn't exist. It's a government conspiracy to make us think there are 50 states when there's actually only There could be 48 because Texas went into annex a long time ago. Texas is in the ocean. Fuck Texas. We're down to 47 because we're Mm. kicking Florida out. Okay, so to this day, Ronnie claims that he began with the truth, okay? Because he wanted to get the pressure off of him. So he's like, look, I've done fucked up. I have a history. I'm going to start telling the truth immediately. But he winds up confessing to several variations of the events. So I numbered them at one point and then gave up, but confession number one. Okay. Ron says that he woke up at three 15 in the morning, unknown reasons, and he killed his entire family while they slept with a rifle from his secret gun stash. He started in his parents' room. Okay. In the master bedroom and then moved to his two younger brothers, room okay because they were both sharing a room the the two boys mark and what's his face okay and then there was a room adjacent to that where his youngest sister slept then he climbed the stairs to the third floor bedroom where he shot his eldest sister dawn he then freaked out that he murdered everybody got in his car and drove down the street to his buddy's house okay confession number one okay it's bullshit, but okay. Mm-hmm. I had I had a note for Kev right there. It was a, it was supposed to be scripted a little bit. Oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. I scrolled down to more. Now. Yeah. So let's try this again, shall we? Because clearly we need rehearsal. So he gets in his car, drives to his buddy's house, and that was his confession. Well, I mean, there you go. Solve the case. We're done. Yeah, no. lock it up. Let's Big popping up. Okay. That was that was my my buildup, okay, to the conspiracy. Okay. That would have been the easy answer. Okay. But there's nothing about this case that gets tied up in a nice little bow. Okay. No. Kevin, before I read this next note, what do you know about the guns in the 70s that the Marlins produced, those rifles? Absolutely nothing. Damn it. Okay. Well, 
the model that was common at that time that he had was a 336 lever lever action hunting rifles, 35 Remington. Guess how quiet those are? Not. I know 336 is a fucking big round, so. Yeah, it's a boomer. Okay, every video I watched on YouTube of, of hunting enthusiasts shooting off this gun had the the earphones on. Okay, the boom resounded off of buildings from one gunshot. Okay, you could hear with testing. They figured out three to five blocks away, distinctly hear this gun go off distinctly. Damn. And not one fucking person heard a goddamn thing except for one family. Okay, they heard the dog barking between three and three thirty in the morning. How in the fuck were nine shots fired from a hunting rifle in a quiet suburb and no one heard anything? Anything? Jack and shit was heard. They were right into a bar, so they were all probably drunk. There, there are houses. All right, there's there, there's houses with families right right there. Okay, and on top of that, if you're in bed and you hear a fucking hunting rifle go off, how do you not fucking wake up? Okay, the victim showed no sign of escapes. Okay, autopsies performed showed no evidence that nobody was moved and they were all found in the exact positions that they had died in. Physical evidence suggests that Louise and her daughter's daughter were awake. But they hadn't been moved. They didn't move out of bed at the sound of gunshots. Yeah, okay. No. Now, if, yeah, even better is they continued to uh, run theories on this. Okay. And they showed that the gun had not been filtered through a sound suppressor. And there were no signs of drugs or sedatives in the bodies of the family. Okay. Let me sidebar again here. Even if a suppressor was used, it's only, it's not like in the movies where the, the thing goes from waking up the undead to silent to, to like a typewriter. Like that's not, that, that shit doesn't happen unless you're talking about 300 blackout, but that's, that, that didn't exist back then. Um, let's say your average gunshot is, I don't know, 160 decibels, right? Let's just throw out a number because I don't know if that's what it is or not, but I'm just making shit up. If you if you put a suppressor on it, it's gonna knock it down to somewhere around like 110, which is hearing safe. Like 110 decibels is like 10 less than a fucking jet engine. Yeah, no. Okay. So take this information. To this day, nobody knows how this was accomplished. How nine shots got Quick off. Question. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it was aliens. Aliens. Um, but it was alien. Aren't there sedatives that, like, will go through the system so fast that you won't find them at an autopsy? I don't believe that's the case, but that might be a fun topic of research to follow up on. But, like, do you know two. what I mean? Yeah. Okay. G- give it a Google. I'll look it up. And we'll come back to that in part two. Because I feel like there's something that, like, will go through your system so fast that, like, you can still sedate someone and they just won't. That's I like that. I say look it up, but that doesn't explain how the neighbors only heard a dog barking and not a gun go off. You're not wrong. That doesn't explain that, but it might explain the family. I want okay. And the fact that he did this all very quickly. Okay, you put put all this together. 
Okay. This murder was very methodical. Okay. Mm-hmm. A drug addict got off nine shots, killed his entire family in a methodical and precise manner. This quote throws the question or the theory out there that there might have been more than one killer. Mm-hmm. Put a pin in this. Put a pin in it. Put a pin. In Put a pin. Okay. There's another guy whose name you need to know. Okay. He is the defense lawyer for Ronnie Jr. His name is William Weber. You are going to hear his name a lot. Okay. Do not forget who Weber okay. is. Okay. Now he's building up a defense case for Ronnie. Who and is? he said that. Hmm? Who is? Schmitty. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. You know, you know how much I love to repeat myself. He's so funny. You know, it's my favorite thing. I said, nails on a chalkboard. I was just making sure that everybody remembered the name. <laughs> Weber. Okay. So he's building this defense case and stuff starts coming to light about this family. Okay. So the family had a very strange dynamic. Okay. They were pious. They were faithful, but there was that constant infighting, that abuse I was talking about earlier. So the story comes out that uh, of, of incidences of violence within the home. So you have, uh, so hang in for me. I put them here because I felt they were more appropriate here because they came out with the defense case. So I guess there was this one evening where the kids were all making a ruckus at dinner and Louise, the mom was downstairs doing laundry in the basement. Okay. And Louise starts screaming at the kids, settle your asses down now. All right. Down. Settle down. And Ron decides. Yeah. So Ron decides to start screaming at everybody, the dad. Okay. To shut the fuck up. He wants to enjoy his meal. Okay. So Louise attempts to come up the stairs. So he sucker punches her in the face, makes her tumble back down the stairs and closes the door And he says, now we can have some peace. Now, on multiple occasions, Ron's friends refused to enter the house because they also witnessed Ron Sr. beating Louise. Abuse begets abuse. So if Ronnie's getting beat, his wife's getting beat, all the kids have got to be getting beat, right? This would have created uh, trauma bonds, okay? Because there's one aggressor in this situation. Okay, that is another little pin. Okay, this is going to help us maybe flush out a potential additional murderer. Okay, ironically, he Ron did not help his own case though uh, when this defense was being built because he asked when he could collect his father's life insurance policy. In a new confession, okay, Ron Ron's in jail and he's starting to go nuts. Okay, so now he's saying. That the devil made him do it. And he said that he hadn't been alone in this house since they got there. And I have a quote from him. I love it. And his 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 Brooklyn accent is immaculate. Kev, do you have a Brooklyn accent? Can you read this in a Brooklyn accent? Are you gonna okay? So you're gonna get Pittsburghies. Because I heart I started hearing noises and different things uh at night. Noises, you know, like. As you thought that that someone had been walking around the house, pipes banging, uh, they always saying somebody's in the house, ghosts in that. Once in a while, you'd hear screaming, but there wasn't nobody screaming. So a priest came in to witness his performance, as they called it, and uh, he agreed 
that he wasn't in his right mind, that it had been the Lucifer's handiwork. Okay. And at this time, the media was coming off the Manson family murders and Ronnie was reported to have that same wild look to him, to him. Okay. So you have this idea of the satanic panic building up in the seventies. Okay. People love the devil as the root of all evil and the devil has touched this family. Okay. And with all of his troubles in school, okay, Ronnie was not the sharpest crayon in the box. In fact, he was missing a couple. Okay. So this is further perpetuating the fact that he might have not been able to do all this work on his own. So we have, I'm trying to give Kev a segue here. I was wondering what the hell you were doing. I was like, I'm like, are you going to shut up and let me talk? Or like, do we need like a hand signal? Like a verbal, like a, like, what are we doing here? Anyway, enter into this story one Dr. Daniel Schwartz. Yeah, we'll go with Schwartz. 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 May the Schwartz be with you. Yeah, but there's no R, so I think it's Schwartz. Anyway. There, there is an R. S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z. Is that an R? Are you God damn it, I need fucking I need uh, Listen. Are listen, you that old? Where's your readers? Where's your readers? Is this what happens when you get old? My fucking glasses are inside. I might need to go get them. So, anyway, give it, give it a go. Dr. Schwartz was brought in to evaluate his mental state, and his findings indicated that Ronald acted in an altered state of mind. He also diagnosed Ron with antisocial personality disorder. And now I kind of wish I hadn't changed my hoodie because the one I was wearing earlier says antisocial social club on. It's a visual medium now. It is a visual medium. Apparently I have to dress for this now. Yeah, if you read the notes, you would have known that that he was. I did, but I was so worried about getting back here in time to get set up so we could do the episode. I was like, I'm just going to grab whatever the fuck I have laying around. And then it was another fucking hour anyway, so I could have done whatever the hell I wanted. But anyway. Antisocial personality disorder. He didn't understand fully the nature of his actions. A plea of insanity was entered and a new interview was conducted. Ron stated that he had taken some drugs while watching a World War II movie on TV alone, as one happens to do. Isn't that what we all do? I mean, that's kind of Thursday night, but. No, that's Monday night. We got we got to team up then. We got to figure out. We got to do this shit together. Okay, cool. Then we wouldn't be watching it alone, would we? Exactly. So like so it doesn't work. The whole thing goes out the window. Damn. So he, before this tangent that we just went on, he was watching a World War II movie while on drugs on TV by himself. He thought he heard members of his family conspiring to kill him. A female hooded demon with black hands gave him a rifle to shoot everyone. He was too afraid to move, but the demon goaded him into committing a murder. Not plural. One murder. Which brings us back to the point that maybe he did act alone, as Steph has stated earlier. Did not. Yes, did not. That's the word I was going for. Mm-hmm. So, we now have this guy 
Herman Race. This guy is a criminologist for the defense that reviewed the autopsies to find that some of the bodies had been moved. Not all the victims had been found in the position in which they were killed and that multiple weapons had been used. Yeah, so pin. We're now on three pin we're, we're now on three pins. So we might need to start a flow chart. Right. Okay. So I I don't I don't know how you can relook at an autopsy and just decide it says something else. But he did come across the fact that multiple weapons may have been used in this scenario. That is the point we want to hang in on because we have possibility of a secondary killer. Ronnie is claiming that there was a demon in his house, okay, with black hands that helped commit these murders. And there's a potential second weapon being found in these autopsies. Well, if it is a demonic weapon, it would stand to reason that it could shoot multiple projectiles into different people at the same time. 100%. Magic. I mean, a lot of the rooms had two body, two people in it being shot together. You know what I mean? Husband and wife were next to each other. Boom, boom. Son, daughter, or the two sons in a room. Boom, boom. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then there were two, there were two girls. Okay. One one on the one floor and one up a floor. Just saying. Okay. Continue. So now we're going to be talking here about a journalist by the name of Rick Moran. He discovered and connected a local drug enforcement agent who had been assigned to keep the DeFeo house under observation that very evening. That everyone died? He saw. Yes. There was a witness outside the okay. house. A drug enforcement agent, not a random person. Yeah, could, a yeah. drug okay. enforcement agent. So the calls were coming from inside the house? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this journalist found this DEA agent had been assigned to keep the house under observation the night that everybody was whacked. He saw Dawn, who's Ron's sister, leave the house the night of the murder wearing gloves and a jacket. She was carrying a rifle, which she placed in the backseat of her car and proceeded to drive toward the direction of the city's docks. The weapon was later located there by a police canine officer, also Canine cops, still cops, so all cops are bad. So canine cops, bad dogs. They're the only bad dogs who exist are canine cops, bad dogs. Her body also had traces of unburned gunpowder, which could indicate that she was actually in possession of the gun when it was fired. And he saw a woman demon in a hood with gloves. Yes. It was a sister. And he, he liked LSD. I'd like to remind everybody that he liked LSD. It was the drugs. And okay. The okay. So this, this begets some interesting theories. Okay. So I'm going to just roll them all into kind of this grab bag. Okay. Don and Ronnie may have plotted to kill their family together. Okay. Ron was so far gone on the drugs, okay, he might have been in no condition to actually carry out said point. So she might have gotten frustrated 
and decided to wipe out everybody in the frenzy and goaded him into helping. All right. And some some way. Okay. now he might have realized what was happening. Okay, and might have killed her out of despair. Mm -hmm. Some people also think that she might have been shot over uh, grappling over the the, the gun. Okay. Okay. Um, Now, they felt she had the most gunshot wounds to her body in the autopsy reports. So she was killed the most violently, indicating that her killer had a very special connection. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they might have been bonded by the abuse that they have felt. They might have been, he might have felt betrayed that she decided to wipe out the whole family because we have to remember Louise is not a bad wife. Okay. She just was in a situation. He loved his brothers. Right. Just like the kids. There's also a question that they might have had an incestuous relationship. Okay. Um, This, any of these theories, all right, the bond between Don and Ronnie might indicate why the grandfather wanted uh, Butch here to take the entire rap for all the murders because he didn't want the entire story, the shame Mm -hmm. to befall the family. Okay, they might have known they were doing the horizontal polka. He might have known that Don also wanted to kill their parents. Not entirely sure. Okay, but uh, he he might he might have known that Don had been involved, and he wanted Ron to take the full brunt of the responsibility. Okay, but all this work from the defense attorney was pretty much for naught. At this point, that is because the jury found him guilty on all six counts of second degree murder on December 4th, 1975. Judge Thomas Stark sentenced uh, DeFeo to six sentences of 25 years to life. Now, we actually get more stories from Ronnie after the conviction. Okay. Um, In a 1986 interview for Newsday, Ronald claims that his sister Dawn killed their father. Mm -hmm. And then in in their their distraught mother killed all the siblings with a 38 caliber Smith and Wesson revolver. Um, And then he killed his mother. Um, It is stated that he took the blame because he was afraid to say anything negative about his mother to uh, her father, Michael Brigante Sr., and his uncle out of fear that these two would kill him for saying Louise would kill all of her children because her husband was a psycho abusive person. Okay. Um, his father's uncle was a, uh, he was part of a crime family, basically. Uh, I, I wrote notes and I don't understand them, but it has to do with the crime family. Now in this interview, uh, Ronnie asserted that he was married at the time of the murders to a woman named Geraldine Gates whom he uh, was living in New York, New Jersey at the time. And his mother phoned, asked him to return to Amityville to break up a fight that Dawn and their father was having. Because remember, he liked to run away from home. So he wasn't living at home during the time of the murder, he's saying in this confession. Um, he drove to Amityville with uh, with his wife's brother, Geraldine. Geraldine was his wife. The brother was Richard Ramadeau, uh, who was with him at the time of the murders and could verify this story. Apparently. Jumping now till 1990. DeFeo filed a 440 motion, which I don't know what the fuck that is, uh, proceeding to have his conviction vacated. 
In support of this motion, Ronnie asserted that Don and an unknown assailant who fled at the house before he could get a look, good look at him killed their parents. Don, Don subsequently killed all of their siblings. He said the only person he killed was Don, and that that was in an accident as they struggled over the rifle. He again asserted that he was married to Geraldine at the time and that her brother was with him at the time of the murders. An affidavit from Richard Romendo was submitted to the court and it was asserted that he could not be located to testify in person. Also, uh, when we get off the call, remind me to tell you my story about jury duty. Anyway. Evidence was submitted to the court by Suffolk County District Attorney's Office suggesting that, Rich, that Richard did not exist and that Geraldine Gates was living in upstate New York, married to someone else at the time of the murders. Uh, Geraldine did not testify at the hearing because authorities had already confronted her about the false claims in 92 and secured a statement under oath that she, where she admitted that Mamondo was fictitious and that she did not actually marry Defoe until 89 in anticipation of the filing of the 440 motion. Judge Stark denied the motion, writing, I find the testimony of the defendant overall to be false and fabricated. His testimony during the fall of 74, Stephanie's notes don't make any sense, huh? This is a direct quote from, from her. So whatever she was saying in court, this is how it came out. So it, she might have paused or something and redirected. Wow, this is, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm just, I, I, just so everybody knows, I'm reading the direct quote. This is not me actually fumbling over words. Yeah, no, this is direct from the judge's mouth. His testimony that during the fall of 74, he was married and lived with his wife and child at Long Branch, New Jersey, is incredible and not incredible and not worthy of belief. He pro, he produced no corroborating evidence in this regard. Another reason for my disbelief of defendant's testimony is demonstrated by consideration of several portions of trial testimony. He signed a lengthy written statement describing in detail his activities. In the statement, he said that he lived with his family at 112 Ocean View in Amity, and he worked for his father, that he usually went to and from work with his father, and that he was ill and stayed home from work on 12 November 1974, that he was on probation for having stolen an outboard engine and had an appointment to see his probation officer in town that very afternoon. The defendant's girlfriend, Mindy Weiss, testified that she had been dating the defendant in June 74 and was with him frequently that summer and fall. Stark further declared defendant's testimony that he did not shoot and kill members of his family is, is likewise incredible and not worthy of belief. Okay. So I got one more. Ver- hmm. He made ahead, up Brady. a wife and a child. Mm-hmm. That now there's a reason why I keep putting these versions in here. Okay. okay, I want you to keep this in your ba- in the back of your mind when when we're done with this, so you can discuss it. Okay. Certain things keep coming up. Details change, lies change, his story changes. Mm-hmm. 
but there's certain things that pop up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the fact that he keeps asserting that Don was involved. Right. Keeps coming up. Now, you, liars are liars. Okay. But you need a grain of truth in which to lie. There's always a little uh, bit of truth in a believably. lie. Right. So I'm putting all these in here because I want you to see what keeps coming up. So you can help me decide what you think actually happened out of his confessions. Okay. So I got the last one. Okay. All right. And I'm going to do my best to sum this up because we're, we're running over like crazy. So on November 30th of 2000, Ronnie meets with the author of the night that DeFeo's died. His name's Rick uh, Asuna. Okay. Um, The book was published in 2002. Okay. Now they said that they spoke for several hours uh ronnie goes yeah we never talked (laughs) okay um so basically he claims again that he committed the the murders with his sister dawn and two of their friends augie and bobby out of desperation because again his parents were plotting to kill him because of his bad behavior um they had a fight so the sister planned to kill the parents dawn murdered the children in order to eliminate them as witnesses He said that he was enraged on discovering his sister's actions, knocked her unconscious on the bed, and then shot her in the head. Okay. Um, There's debate on whether that gunpowder found on her is actually from the dischargement of the muzzle of the gun or if uh, she actually handled the weapon or not. There's more testimony on that. Um, It's discussed a lot in um, an A&E documentary, um, but they had somebody two people evaluate that she might have not fired a gun, you know, whatever, take that, take her or leave it. Okay. Um, but he's saying that they had been in a struggle and what, and the bullet wound was the only fresh mark on her body. Okay. So, and she had been murdered multiple times basically. Okay. So we're not going to know the true version of events because of all these stories. And because, of the next tidbit that I have for you. Um, Ron died at the age of 69 to uh, this in March of this year. Okay. The cause of his death is yet to be determined. Oh, good. Okay. So I'll get your thoughts on if Don helped him or if one of these crazy people helped him or what, but, but, okay. The part that blew my mind. Do you remember the multiple weapon theory? Do you remember that? That big pin? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A second murder weapon was found by the Aqua Survey Incorporated in 2012 after the trial. Okay. A film, a documentary filmmaker, his name was Ryan Ketchenbach. Okay. He went through all these, these, these testimonies, all this shit, and he went through the autopsies and he thinks that a snub nose 38 was used as the secondary murder weapon, which leaves very similar bullet holes. All right. Cause ballistics in the seventies wasn't that great. Okay. And when the survey was conducted, they used a, an electromagnetic technology, right. From this, this aqua survey, um, they found the top section of a top rated revol of the top rate revolver, a 38 caliber. Okay. And it was actually tagged and submitted to evidence by the Suffolk County police who supervised the entire retrieval. They found the second gun. 
right where this guy thought it would be in the canal near where they found the original rifle. So that's it. What do you guys think about the murders? Do you think Ronnie did it himself? Um, no, his fucking sister helped him. And there was no demon. And fuck this. He's guilty. But maybe he only killed her because I think she definitely killed the father. Like the father deserved to die, but like that mom did not deserve to die. And like those little boys definitely did not deserve to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kevin, what do you think? Give me one second. But like, fuck that dad. Loud ass truck was driving by. So I muted everybody so they didn't mm. have to hear the loud ass truck rolling by. I think it was aliens who were influenced by the demon oh ancient alien assassins yes remember ancient assassin theorists definitely definitely i don't know all right well we're gonna you know tell us what you think all right because i i don't understand how there was a dea agent outside of the building and that wasn't plastered all over the media i don't understand how this second gun was found and was it plastered all over the media? You know, where, where was that? Um, because everyone yeah. thought it was, was ghosts. No one cared. By then, everyone was like, oh, it's ghosts. That shit don't matter. It could have been ghosts, too. You got ghosts in your well, blood. Well, do cocaine. <laughs> we're definitely getting slagged on YouTube. Brand, we, we can't tell people to do cocaine. <laughs> where did you know? Wait, you got the Macomb Academy does not condone the use or recommend the use of any illegal narcotics. They're judging me so hard right now. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should redirect with the weird but true. How oh about shit, that? I don't have one of those. Fuck you! I got um, a happy meal for dinner and a and a juice box. Kevin does not have a weird but true. You have a? Do you have a, a, a boyfriend? Is that a boyfriend? Yeah, here you want to see him? Here, there you go. Hey, pick a number. You're better. You're better than 72. your girlfriend. I already made him pick a number. He did not did pick seventy-two. Did you not pick seventy-two? He did. Oh, that might explain why it's not taken. Fuck you. Seventy-two. <laughs> Numbers four. <laughs> because I pick a number every week and I keep picking the same numbers, apparently. What's the number for? Right, so, in lieu of house points, let's just do this anyway. Your non-offensive dare this week is to start a journal. And in your weird but true news for the week, uh, there was an American doctor named William Walker who overthrew the, Niger- the uh, Nicaraguan government and became president for 10 months. He was then overthrown by a coalition of Central American armies and was later executed by Honduras. Yeah, I can't with him. I can't right now. Jake said he doesn't want to start a journal, but he'll sell his feet pics. <laughs> I can journal his feet pics. You can journal your feet pics. Yeah, start a scrapbook. That counts. Buy it. All right, that's it. I'm done. I'm over this. We need to we need to wrap this up and get to part two next for next okay, week. Bye. No, Kevin, you gotta you gotta do the sign off. It's been like nine months. You think I fucking remember the sign off? 
I did it for you last months. week. I remember exactly that what you said. That took a whole time to grow a baby. What? It has not been nine months. That's like a whole time to grow a baby. It's like been six, maybe five. I don't remember what I had okay. for breakfast. Tip. I'm going to do this for Kev. He's going to remember as soon as I say it. Hey, stay tuned. The same bat channel, the same bat network, and the same expired dead parent coupons. Oh, I do remember that, and you completely butchered it, but we'll get it right the next time. Bye! 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 This podcast was brought to you by Nerdy Witch in partnership with Sound Maiden. We want to thank all of our wonderful Patreons. For updates, please follow the Macabre Academy on Facebook. Remember to like, share, and listen exclusively on Buzzsprout. Soon, we'll be available wherever you listen to podcasts.